Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We've got the ceasefire. You have Hamas, a terrorist group. They're a brutal, jihadist terrorist group. No one should make excuses for them. But do Palestinians have a right to survive? The United States must now be prepared for conflict in space. Get to the bottom where this virus originated from. China engaged in a massive cover-up. Continue to investigate Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. The whole gang is back. Tom, Benny, and Clark. And uh, good to have you with us. uh, We take off a couple of days and uh, the stories pile up. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. I thought you were say you feel energized. Take off a couple of days and feel energized. Fairly energized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are times that you just... I mean, you you get into the news day in and day out, and it can just wear you out sometimes. But uh, yeah, so, so, well. that's what I was thinking. Anyhow, uh, you said you were up in uh, the uh, mountains of North Carolina. Yeah, the North Carolina mountains, blowing rock for a couple of days. And you said the restaurants up there needed help. Yeah, they're just like uh, everywhere else. Just like a lot of retail restaurants and establishments here. They're um, short staffed. Well, got to have patience. Well, the good news is, the good news is, on Friday, John Bell, along with sixty Republicans, sent a letter to Cooper, saying, "Hey, you need to reinstate unemployment work search requirements." And now, in March, Cooper did sign an executive order to reinstate requirements for new claimants. But people who had been out of work for weeks and months prior to that didn't have to go through the requirements to continue on unemployment. Uh, Cooper listened, and he signed an executive order late that day, late on Friday, basically requiring anybody on unemployment to, whether you're already on unemployment or you need to go on unemployment, uh, you need to follow the law. Now, you know, the problem is there are, in, in fact, there was another story out today on PPP loans. There's the millions of dollars that have, it's probably in the billions at this point, on fraud with PPP loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I'm look, I'm not saying if you're on an unemployment, you're a fraudster. But there's a lot of people that, eh, it's they're a little fuzzy on the rules, let's put it that way. But uh, the, anyway, Cooper did sign that into uh, uh, his executive order on late Friday, which would require you, if you're going to be on unemployment, you've got to go through the rigmarole. You've got to make sure you're going out and looking for a job, and you've got to you know, have certain people sign off that, indeed, you've gone for interviews and that sort of thing. Now, the question is, why would Cooper do this? Polling. <laughs> a, polling. Um, B, though, uh, th- this is... We had, I think, $5 billion in the rainy day fund, and then we're getting another $15 billion in federal aid for COVID. Uh, now, the governor will want to spend this somehow, somewhere, sometime. And uh, I, I think he looks at this as, uh, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people have looked at Cooper, you know, the, the uh, pipeline that was going to come through, the gas pipeline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he he wanted that to be his little... Little slush fund. Yeah, his little, own little slush fund. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Republicans in the legislature said, uh, that's uh, not how the law works, Gov. 
And, of course, then the pipeline folks backed off of the whole thing. Well, I, you know, is he looking at this as another little slush fund that he can use and dole out as he wishes for um, projects to help with the elections? I wonder what uh, Governor Cooper's next political gig, what, what he sees as his next political gig. Because he can't run for governor again. Right? No. Well, he could run again because uh, Hunt, I think he's got to sit out and then he can yeah, turn back and run again. Yeah, he can, you can't do it three con- times consecutively. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think he's he's got something on my in his mind. I mean, is he the uh, last-minute jump in the Senate race and go against Pat McCrory? Or? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, he'd have well, to- at that point, though, I mean, I'd love for him to do that because – would that not make Mark Robinson the governor? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are with that. Yeah, I th- yeah, you'd send a governor, wouldn't he? Uh, automatically become I don't a governor. Know. I don't know about North Carolina. The whole state politics or state offices are they vary so much state to state. Yes, could, they do. Could be some kind of crazy rule like uh, whoever the dog catcher for Durham County is or something. Well, I will say this: if Mark Robinson <laughs> were to become the governor, then no, he would not no. drop out. Mm-mm. The News and Observer is reporting on this. Uh, we, we talked about this weeks ago when it first came up in the news. UNC Chapel Hill faculty and student leaders are demanding that the Campus Board of Trustees officially reconsider tenure for Nicole Hannah-Jones. She was the New York Times author of the uh, 1619 Project. That uh, She's just a, a, an out-and-out racist. She's bought into critical race theory. You know, every white person is a supremacist. And um, and we talked about this when UNC Chapel Hill was going to hire her. Well, they hired her, and it was originally thought that it would be a tenured position. But uh, John Hood had a piece in uh, the uh, uh, Carolina Journal today talking about the fact, no, they actually looked at um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and said she's going to have to prove herself. She's a controversial figure, and she's going to have to prove herself. You know, and John Hood did a good job of just pointing out some of the things in her past that were rather controversial. He says she and the New York Times also engaged in stealth edit, edits of their work, backing away from key claims while denying they were doing so. For instance, the original version of the 1619 Project stated that it aimed to reframe the country's history, understanding 1619 as our true founding and placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. Later, after withering criticism, the Times edited the online version to take out the phrase, understanding 1619 as our true founding. But she went on to say, I argue that 1619 is our true founding. And uh, she tweeted that the 1619 Project does not argue that 1619 was our true founding. We know this nation marks its founding in 1776. I'm not, uh, uh, John uh, Hood goes on to say, I'm not nitpicking a single instance of poor judgment or bad faith on her part. I'm offering an example of many, including her involvement in cancel culture episodes at the New York Times itself. Um, John Hood is a conservative, but he's very fair-minded, and he was very fair to her in his piece that he wrote in the Carolina Journal. But what's interesting is the News and Observer is now reporting that it is unfair uh, that they're not offering her a tenured position. It's not uncommon. And in fact, usually the rule of thumb is you're hired, 
And you've got to prove yourself. It's very yeah. rare. Especially with zero academic experience. And yeah. and somewhat of a highly controversial figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth Meyer Davidson said at a Zoom meeting amongst faculty, it is a shocking breach of trust to me. We cannot operate in this way. Because speaking towards the fact that they didn't offer a tenured position. And of course, you had plenty over there that said, oh, this is racism. This is racism because they're not giving this racist a tenured position, which she is. I mean, she would have to admit that she's a racist. And of course, there are people out there that say, well, if you're a minority, you can't possibly be a racist. This woman is a racist. Um, but, you know, if this was a conservative who was being hired for the School of Journalism at UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, they weren't offering this person a tenured position, you know, someone just as famous or infamous as uh, this individual, Nicole Hannah-Jones, do, do you think there'd be a protest that they even considered hiring a conservative, <laughs> let alone giving them a tenured position? I'd like to see a list of the tenured positions at UNC Chapel Hill that are conservatives. Very few. I'd, I'd like to know if there are or any. any. <laughs> I mean, or any. And was any, were any conservatives considered when they hired her for this? Was is it called the night chair? I think. Right. Yeah, I think the yeah. night chair. And ha- having done no research on this News Observer article other than reading it, I would guess since uh, the News Observer didn't point out to um, other instances of tenured positions and the list of them, and they were granted immediate tenure. I would bet they don't exist. No. Because <laughs> if they had something to support their argument, which that article by the News Observer, there is no nothing to support their argument that it's a conservative no. backlash or anything like that. No. It, 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 frankly, it ought to be. I mean, they report on it as if it is a news story. It ought to be in the op-ed section. You know, well, that, but the whole paper is an op-ed section. I, I'd like to give us credit a little bit. I think News and Views was on the cutting edge of this 1619 project and critical race theory. We were talking about this months ago. Oh, yeah. Talking about oh, yeah. Nicole Hannah-Jones months ago. And people can go back and look at uh, – you cannot find the original 1619 project. I've got to look back through my papers because I didn't download it. Wish I had. I printed some things out. But when I went back after the backlash of this, to John Hood's point, they whitewashed that thing, no pun intended, oh, yeah. uh, of some very controversial things that were said. Um, and because, you know, when that project came out, it was, um, I think it was like 20 professors across the United States at mostly liberal universities came out and said, Essentially, nothing to it. Yeah. This is a bunch of hogwash. Yeah, it is. And, and these were liberal professors that I guarantee you, I know the list of them. I'd say ninety percent of them did not vote for Donald Trump based on what I've you know oh, heard, of course heard of not. before. Well, so can you find twenty professors at state universities total that voted for Donald Trump? I mean, the <laughs> fact that she won awards for this is just is just laughable. Well, but, I mean, it, it is. You're right. It is hogwash. Those professors that said it was hogwash are correct, and yet UNC Chapel Hill hires this woman, gives her a chair, and the and the rest of the staff over there says, "Why isn't she tenured?" <laughs> I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. I mean, could, could you, if you and I were as liberal as we are conservative, we'd have our own national gig on some <laughs> liberal. No, I mean, it's it's just amazing to me. And here we go, in academic America, higher education America, a state-supported school in America, another non-teaching position 
money thrown out the yep. door. Yep. Flushed down the at toilet. At the backs of the taxpayers. Yep. Yep. And by the way, when this originally came out, this story about her not being tenured, um, there was a little bit of confusion on this that uh, that she was, and then it came out that she wasn't, and uh, that's made the whole thing a little bit more of a uh, controversy. But the uh, board of trustees over there never offered her a, a, a tenured position. No. Speaking of such um, situations, did you follow the story over the weekend about Stephen Smith, the guy on the, one of the ESPN commentators, and Stephen Tim Tebow? A. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, who is this guy? I mean, the fact that he has a job proves there's no, nothing to white privilege, because he is. Yeah, well, yeah. He, good he, point. He is, he is bad. He is bad. terrible. I mean, so, he says the same cliches over and over and over again about every topic, and it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, you're right. Uh, that's a good lead-in. Uh, ESPN's first take host Stephen A. Smith took aim at Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow last Thursday arguing that, quote, white privilege was a factor in his NFL comeback at age 33, uh, years after he was out of the league. Tebow signed a one-year contract this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars, signed it last week, after spending the last several years pursuing a professional baseball career with the New York Mets minor league system. Smith said he had a problem with the team's decision to sign Tebow as tight end, a position he never played, while other athletes were left seeking their next opportunity. Is this not an example of white privilege, Smith said? What brother you know is getting this opportunity? That makes people uncomfortable because we're talking about race when I say that. Like me to say that first, I don't give a blank how you feel. I mean, what I say, it's white privilege because that's not something happening for any brothers out there. Uh, according to stat, st- Statistia.com, 70 percent in 2020 70 percent of nfl players were black 70 percent in a nation where 13 percent of the population is black 70 percent of them are are nfl players or 70 70 percent of nfl players are black and and this guy is arguing that in the NFL, this is wrong because team, Tim Tebow has got a chance. And, of course, Urban Meyer is the new head coach of the Jaguars. He was the head coach when Tim Tebow was a Florida. He knew the guy. He, he knew his reputation. And, and what's wrong with that? that? That's the key. And if Stephen A. Smith could see anything other th- than through the glasses of, of color, black and white, that's all he sees. I mean, I've, I've listened to him ever since he's been national um and that's every issue is about black and white issue but it's a matter of trust i mean he's got a history with tim tebow sure he knows his positive influence in the locker room and i don't know the the details of the contract i don't even know if they've been disclosed yet but it could be i mean mean, it could could be for peanuts and the way the nfl works i mean you can sign a contract but it means nothing you got to prove yourself i mean even even the top guys uh top draft picks when they sign, you know, as they say, a five, six, seven, eight, ten-year deal, that's not whatever you get up front. That's what you're guaranteed. Everything else, you got to prove every day. He went on to say, "Quote: The reality is, Urban Meyer is in a position where he could exercise. I'm not saying he did it for Tim Tebow because he was white or anything like that." Smith added, "You just did. <laughs> you just did. You just made a whole commentary on how this is all about white privilege." Mm-hmm. 
He, he's from North Carolina, too, isn't he? Stephen A. Smith. I have no clue. I hope not. I think We he, don't claim him, do I we? I think he is, or at least. Do he, we claim him? <laughs> I don't, but uh, I think he might have. If he's not from North Carolina, I think he went to school in North Carolina. Hey, we're going to take a timeout. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. You never know when the news will break, but leave us on and you will. I think we want to see more details right now on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Taking a look at your weather forecast, uh, it is raining in much of our uh, listening area. It's not raining here in Greenville. When I came in, the sun was shining, but uh, much of our area, our listening area, especially to the south, is uh, seeing rain and thunderstorms as we speak. Tonight, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly before 9 o'clock, mostly cloudy after that, low around 65. Tuesday, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after 3 p.m., with a high near 85 Wednesday, mostly sunny, a high near 96, so it's going to get hot. Weather brought to you by the folks at Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Speaking of golf, we were just talking during the break. How about Phil Mickelson? 50 years old, the oldest PGA professional to win a major. And he'll be 51 next month. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, uh, he's almost 51. That's that's. I don't think that he's, record will be broken because that's, that's tough to do. I, I guess it was um, the Golden Bear. Who, yeah, uh, Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus, who won. maybe. I thought it was 48, but, yeah, he was in his 40s. I actually think Phil Mickelson looks more fit now than he did 10 years ago. I, I was telling someone today, not that I can judge about someone's fitness at, <laughs> in their 50s compared to years ago, but uh, I've seen him a couple of three U.S. Opens and maybe two or three other events over the years. And a few years ago, I mean, he was just um, – he had a lot of baby fat on. He was just, yeah. a, he was just a porker. I mean, nowhere <laughs> – I mean, really. I mean, I was going to say something about man boobs, but I thought, yeah. no, I'm not going to insult Phil. But since you went, but there, yeah, I'm... but yesterday, I mean, he, I said, gosh, that guy's in shape. So yeah, yeah, he's. he's I want to find uh, out what he's doing. He's he's pretty uh, pretty good shape. Uh, yeah, that that's that's huge. And, and hitting 350 yard drives at yeah. 51, you know. <laughs> well, that yeah, that one 350 yard drive was the longest drive on that whole of the I think of the whole tournament. Oh yeah, it was. I actually think was it 366 or something they said it was, but. Now, if it's been as dry down there as it has been up here, the, I'm sure the fairways are pretty hard and you got a lot of roll. Well, but. yeah, all those courses, too, unless it's happened to be raining at the time, you, well, you, you probably know that. I mean, they dry them out right. before the yeah. tournament, make them yeah. hard as a brick. Yeah. And it was, like, blowing like 20 yesterday. Yeah, so. I'm pr- and the wind was pr- obviously behind him on that hole. Did you see the story? Vice President Kamala Harris, she's taking heat after a video emerged appearing to show her wipe her hand on her jacket after greeting South Korean President Moon Jae-in at the White House last Friday. Harris talked to the South Korean leader about the alliance between the two countries, and uh, after they were talking at their prospective podiums, she walked over, reached out, put her hand out, they shook hands, and immediately Harris takes her hand and wipes it down 
like I just got <laughs> this cooties or something. For, and while she got some flack, uh, Twitter broke out and said, can you imagine Oh, Donald the comments Trump. had <laughs> Donald Trump done that about what a racist, xenophobe Donald Trump is? Mainstream media hadn't uttered a word. One uh, Twitter user said, let's get one thing straight. This isn't a high school function where no one is watching the students. If hashtag 45 had done this, sweet Lord have mercy. It would have been the lead story in every liberal media station for a month, if not longer. This Twitter user's right. It would have been. You know, I'm certainly not defending her, but... um, Oh, there it is. Yeah, if you're watching on Cable 7 or on Facebook, here, here's here's the wipe down. There you go. There's the handshake, and there you go. Wipe oh, it. She, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, she's really discreet about it. But, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't defend her for much, but in her defense, as many times as I've been to the bathroom and see men come in and use the bathroom and not wash their hands, you know, I don't, I don't blame her. I, I would give the president of South Korea a little bit more credit, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, you know, wash your hands before you eat your food. But I mean, it was tact was not the she, she key description. Waited, yeah, she could have waited to get behind a podium, you know, and done it. <laughs> the situation over the weekend in Belarus, where I don't know if you've heard the story or not, but there was an airline that was carrying a journalist by the name of um, what was his first name? It was uh, his last name was. Um, Protavich. Protavich. I'm not good on these uh, East German names. Um, But anyway, these um, the leader of Belarus ordered this passenger airline to land where they wanted to arrest this journalist. And today, Jen Psaki was asked about this situation in Belarus. And of course, she came out and said that the president was outraged as and and a lot of, you know, European countries are very outraged in this whole thing. The longtime Belarus leader, um, Luka Senko, was um, and he's he's been a tyrant. He's suppressed free speech. Uh, He it was Ryanair had about 170 passengers in there. They forced the plane to land. They actually sent a MiG fighter out to escort the plane down. They told the pilot over the radio it was because there was a bomb threat. As soon as the plane was on the ground, they arrested the guy, took him into custody. Um, because he's written, uh, he, he started a blog and he's written about uh, this, uh, um, the tyrancy of the, the Belarus leader. And again, Joe Biden comes out and condemns it. You know, the first thing that came to my mind, though, was, okay, Joe Biden was the vice president under the O'Biden administration, the O'Biden administration, the Obama administration. (laughs) Might as well be called the Obama. I was right the first time. That's the Biden administration now. He's vice president. That's that's right. (laughs) You're right. But remember, it was almost eight years ago to the day CBS News reported. This is CBS. Court documents released show the Obama administration secretly monitored a Washington journalist in seeking a search warrant. The FBI called Fox News' James Rosen a criminal co-conspirator, even though he wasn't charged with any crime. 
These revelations have set off a firestorm of criticism from the left for the first time ever. A president, a, a presidential administration is treating news reporting like a crime and a reporter like a criminal suspect. Uh, and this was the administration that uh, Cousin Eddie was the vice president of. So he comes out today and just, oh, Belarus is terrible. This is, we're absolutely condemning it with the, the strongest wording ever. Uh, there wasn't a whole—I mean, I, I, granted, you didn't arrest James Rosen. But you probably realized, or your administration realized, had they gone that far, even, and, and frankly, the reason why I think they didn't go any further than that was journalists, even though James Rosen was working for Fox News at the time— if you remember back eight years ago, journalists across the board all got behind James Rosen and oh, Fox yeah. News and mm-hmm. said, you have gone too far, Obama. And that's when he backed down. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you came awful close there, uh, Joey. That area of the world is pretty unstable. You know, Bel- Belarus borders Russia to the west and what, Poland to the east of Poland. That area is still mighty, mighty contentious with you know former soviet union who we got clark Uh, larissa Larissa Larissa. is on the line hey larissa how are you good how are you uh good good to hear from you good what's on your mind hey i listen i listen to uh henry in the morning on the way to work and you guys in the afternoon on the way home from work well thank you and um i have to say love everybody love all of you guys but i have to say I, I was waiting for that, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the testosterone is pretty thick lately. I, it's just been a lot of man talk, so I want to talk some girl talk right now. Fine, uh, absolutely. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> you guys, you guys brought up Tim Tebow. I saw him play uh, for the Fireflies a couple years ago, and I had front row seats, and boy, was it nice! It was nice. That view was. <laughs> That was, that was amazing. And I'll tell you, that guy oh is amazing. He is a wonderful, <laughs> he's a wonderful Christian man. Yes, he is. Family man. And he deserves the best in life because he's had a lot of stuff to put up with that he should not have to put up with. What, what so, a, uh, there's my feminine touch. Uh, no, no. Day. Hey, listen, that was a part of the story that I'm glad you brought up because he, even this guy, Stephen Smith, brought up the fact that Tim, Tim Tebow has, has done, you know, it, it was like, well, he's done a lot of good, good stuff. But, but it seems like Tim Tebow, the more flack he gets, the, the more compassionate he becomes with all these outreach programs. And he's got a marvelous outreach program for uh, special students with, with uh, yeah. disabilities. And uh, just, I, have, I, I mean, have a special student, and he is, that is why Tim Tebow is one of my close to my heart my son is is autistic and Tim uh has done uh, many many good things for for us and our, the parents and the children so love him uh in every way uh larissa did you uh the, the name of his book escapes me did you read his book about um his uh, dyslexia I, I can't remember it came i did out. not no i i didn't i didn't read that no, well look it up it's really really good um i can't okay. remember the name of it but um he wrote it maybe seven or eight years ago i think and you know i think there, yeah. there was i remember something uh, that he he has done some talks at um pro-life pregnancy center fundraisers and that kind of stuff and i can't remember the details but at one point 
there was a, a doctor or something that that uh, told his mom that her her child was going to have some issues mm-hmm. during her pregnancy, and that she might want to consider mm-hmm. an abortion. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, can can you imagine if that you know now her, his mom is is a strong Christian woman as well, so I don't think she ever even considered that. But yeah, and to your yeah. point, and to your point, Larissa. Um, you know, all the things that he's gone through as far as from the media, uh, what his entire career, he has always taken the high road. He yes. never, yeah. he never yeah. responds Absolutely. negatively. He, he is, uh, yep. hey, if I was a girl, I'd dig him. <laughs> hey, I'm a guy and I'd dig him. <laughs> Larissa, thanks well, we for the call. We need a girl's perspective, Benny, so, you know. Hey, Larissa, <laughs> love your perspective. Call us whenever you want. <laughs> love to hear from you. Thank you, man. Thanks. Five six one eight two five five. If you want to give your perspective, love to hear from you. We're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Join the show, 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. The Daily Caller is reporting on the story out of Brooklyn. Two Jewish teens were allegedly rescued by a rideshare driver after being beaten in Brooklyn on Saturday by pro-Palestinian individuals. New York Police Department received a report Saturday night that an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old were walking near Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn when they were approached by two males who demanded that the victims repeat anti-Jewish statements. The 18-year-old victim's father spoke to the Daily Caller, said his son and the nephew were ordered to chant Free Palestine but refused to do so. The teen, whose father said they were both wearing their yarmulkes, refused and immediately were assaulted, according to police. Both victims were punched in the head, and the 17-year-old was placed in a a chokehold. As the victims attempted to flee, police said they were chased by an assailant, an assailant brandishing a baseball bat. And a, a, a good Samaritan saw what was happening, pulled over his car, said, jump in the car, took the boys to safety. 
Former Democratic New York State Assemblyman Dove Heinken called the incident a horror story. The victim's father told the Daily Caller he believes the driver saved the teen's lives. The teams reported the incident to police. Afterwards, they were treated by EMS for non-life-threatening injuries. Something is out of control, and it's not being dealt with, Heiken said. You know what's amazing? How few elected officials in New York have spoken out on this. Don't hold your breath, sir. You have case after case after case of people being beaten up. How few Democratic elected officials have spoken out. Schumer lied to the Jewish community for 25 years. He said he was the protector. He would run around saying, I'm the Schomer. And he lied to us, Heiken said, adding that the Democrat New York State Senator Chuck Schumer has remained relatively quiet about anti-Semitic attacks. Schumer tweeted a single comment about the recent anti-Semitic attack. Um, Now, you ask yourself, why isn't this a headline? By the way, Biden came out and uh, did condemn this situation. uh, While he also, in in the same statement, he also came out and said, and he has sent... um, his uh, envoy over to the Middle East where there has been a temporary ceasefire between Hamas and Israel. But uh, why isn't this headline news in the mainstream media? Um, Because this is not what the social justice want. Uh, This is not what the critical race theory or the critical theory crowd want. It does not meet the intersectionality criteria. More succinctly, it does not fit the Marxist narrative. And we, uh, you mentioned this last week. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday. You know, they, there is a there is a history of Marxism where they have got to find the villain mm-hmm. and get the crowd to hate the villain. Well, right now the villain are white males. Now, Palestinians would be considered people of color by the critical theory crowd, by the social justice crowd. Jewish people would be considered probably worse than your average Protestant white male. And uh, they're, they're, you know, they have their group of oppressors and they have their group of the oppressed. And the mainstream media is just happy to march in lockstep with these Marxists. And, I, you know, I bring this up again because this is not anything to do with racial justice. No. This has everything to do with Marxism. Mm-hmm. And, boy, people need to understand that, that this is, this is how Marxist ideology— I mean, we used to see it very prevalent in things like union, or, union organizations, you know, that the, the Marxists would get very involved in unions, and, you know, the corporations would be the bad guys, they'd be the oppressors, and the poor union workers would be the oppressed. Well, I think that Marxist ideology, they have tried in the United States, what, 100 years now, to play the traditional class warfare that they did in Europe. Right. You know, it's it's the, the laborers versus the industrial. Right. Um, Pilot Bureau versus the bourgeois. Yeah. And, and it, I, I think it has not worked in America primarily because most people that come to the United States come to the United States for a better chance. Right. Knowing that um, – if they work hard, you know, they can determine their own outcome. And they don't demonize people at, that's been successful at the top quite like they did in Europe. So I think they went a different approach and said it's going to be a race w- warfare. And that's right. it, it has to be because it's 
just like a snap of a finger has happened, and it's and the Democrat Party's been taken over by that. There's a lot of people in the Democrat Party don't even realize they've been taken over by it, and it's it's like in their it's, they're singing off the sheet, same sheet of music. I mean, and I have said for years on this program. If you're a conservative, just be prepared to be called a racist, a white supremacist, or or or, or if you're a conservative African American, get be, get ready to be called an Uncle Tom. And if and if someone out there thinks, because I've had some friends think when I start bringing up this this argument that oh my gosh, you're McCarthy, you're 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 a nut. I, hey, just go read Vladimir Lenin a hundred years right. ago. Just read him a hundred years ago. And just and look at the Democrat Party platform right now, yeah. and what's being done in the Democrat Party right now. Bingo, bingo. They've been taken over. Sad, uh, sad but true. It's not John F. Kennedy's party anymore, and you're fooling yourself if you think it is. Well, and the American people, by and large, are kind, compassionate people. I mean, they always want to point to some fringe element that you know maybe one percent of the you know population is is a part of. American people, by and large, are kind people. I'm talking about no matter your background, they're, they're kind people. And when, you know, the Marxists were smart enough to realize that, okay, these American people, perhaps we can sucker them in with this critical race theory mm-hmm. when we talk about racial justice. And every, look, who's, who's against racial justice or racial equality? We're all for that. But this is not what critical race theory is about. And there are a lot of people that just look or hear the soundbite and don't read the whole article, and they immediately are, are captivated. Oh, well, I've got to be for that. Mm-hmm. And, and to another part of that goes along with the fact not only the critical race theory, but the disruption of the nuclear family that the Black Lives Matter and the other Marxist organizations talk about. That's, hey, that's what you're seeing in the United States because— right. They want the state to be more important than the family. The state is the savior in their eyes, and uh, except that they want to be the savior themselves. They want to pull the strings. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. If you remember last week, I think it was on Monday, we were talking about um, the whole transgender issue. And... Um, how is child abuse, how this chemical castration and mutilation surgery is happening in the United States to kids. In some cases, the parents are, at least they're trying to be pushed away, pushed to the side. You know, this is not your issue, it's your child's issue. Believe it or not, 60 Minutes last night did a piece I don't watch 60 Minutes, but I read a bunch of stories and I watched a bunch of video online today about this. They did a piece. Leslie Stahl was the interviewer for 60 Minutes. And they talked about the fact they interviewed 30 people who have now detransitioned. They thought they were, the you know, they identified as a male when they were a female or vice versa. And their stories were incredible. They went on, this one young lady just said within a year, she decided to transition. She was 18, so she didn't have to get her parents' permission. She went to transition. They put her on testosterone. And within a couple of months, they uh, cut off her breast. 
And uh, she said immediately, and she, she was convinced, she saw all this, I'll call it propaganda, from individuals that were pushing this. She thought this is what she wanted. She thought she'd be happy. That she had the surgery, and immediately she, you know how people that have, that lose a limb, they have this phantom sensation that their mm-hmm. arm is still there when it's been amputated. She said she felt that way about her breasts. And she said immediately she knew that this was wrong. So within a year, she goes in, she talks to some counselor, two sessions. The counselor never asked her, where do you think this stems from? Never tried to investigate the root cause. Just said, okay, well, this is what you need. So she goes on the chemicals. She has the surgery. She realizes, boy, I've blown it. So then within the same year, she detransitions. And again, they just said, okay, you can do whatever you want. Uh, This is just, and and I mentioned last week, there are going to be lawsuits coming. I didn't realize how quickly, how prophetic I was. Now, they didn't talk about lawsuits in this piece on 60 Minutes, but that is obviously the next segment. Uh, This one young lady, Lackenzie Smith was her last name, I mean, that that would be the next logical choice for her is to find a lawyer that's going to pick up this case and go for it. And frankly, I hope she does. Now, I, I don't think she had a, any particular revelation except for the fact that she says, boy, this this just went too far too fast. And I didn't. And, and there are people that were on this. I'll give credit to 60 Minutes. They had people on there that were their job was to help people in the to go through the transition and even they admitted what's happening right now is just malfeasance mm-hmm. that the the this this whole transition is going way way too quick and it's so so dangerous and she was 18 at the time she was 18 at the time and you know i i believe people should when they're of um majority they can make decisions about themselves but there's got to be you got to draw a line somewhere where there's got to be some kind of required counseling before it happens and it, I, and i don't know the details for a case but it's got to be more than uh hey someone in the surgeon's office we have a counselor down the hall here well what is the counselor going to say don't have a surgery well listen <laughs> it's got to be some kind of independent you know psychological uh help years ago my wife and i decided okay we're going to make some permanent snip snips for birth control okay (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know where we're going with this well it was a whole lot less complicated for me to go visit dr vasectomy than for her to go through the thing so i said okay well i'll do that we had to go to counseling for something that simple Mm -hmm. now this was probably 25 30 years ago we had to go to counseling larissa if you're still listening the testosterone is kind of thick (laughs) Well, isn't that special? <laughs> well, I, I just got yeah, but, but yeah, we had, and she had to be there, mm. and we were both adults. Yeah, I, I don't understand someone that's going through this process. As we talked about last week, I definitely have compassion for somebody that's struggling with this. Sure, it's it's, <clears> it's it, a real issue. It is, but it's got to be more than okay. Here you go. Yeah, come on, let's. I mean, and, and look, th- this is not reversible. No. I mean, they they had males who had more than a snip snip, and they wanted to detransition. And it's it's not something that like you can flip the light switch on and off. Once it's done, it's done.
Uh, the Guardian is reported, uh, I guess some people are really excited about this, that Lego has launched its first LGBTQ plus set. So if you're into that, uh, Lego is accommodating you. Hey, listen, thanks for being with us. Uh, good to be back, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. 5 o'clock, we'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.